1992, my dad went prodigal. He was reeling from the awful treatment he'd received at the hands of narcissistic church leaders, and really anyone would have been. He was disoriented by the departure of both of his sons to college. That nest got empty fast. And everything that he had worked so hard to build ministry-wise was over, gone, finished. And he was staring down a totally unknown future. But rather than leaning hard into God and into his marriage, this man, who for over 20 years had served God from Brooklyn to Boston with everything he had, and had helped hundreds of broken people heal through the power of the gospel, and had done it all, literally, literally, arm in arm with his wife, came totally unhinged, walked away from any semblance of gospel, community, and accountability, and strode headfirst into a brief but sinful, foolish, stupid, irrational, really, connection with a different woman. That this would happen, that my dad would sin bad, should surprise exactly none of us. Gospel people, even the most earnest of them, are not immune from blind spots and folly and sin. In fact, the opposite is true. We are blind, foolish sinners to our core, by nature and by choice, in desperate need, not only of that once for all forgiveness of our sin that comes through Christ's cross, but also of the ongoing help of the Spirit to walk in the sanity of holiness and an ongoing willingness to make that choice. As Ray Ortland so brutally and beautifully says to pastors, we are, all of us, about three minutes from moral and ministry failure. Scripture makes this abundantly clear. Except for Christ, there are no perfect people. David, whose heart was totally dialed in with God's, broke the entire second table of the law in one reckless weekend. Covetousness, adultery, murder, theft, false witness. This holy man hit the quinfecta of sin. Peter, the rock on whose confession the church was built, got so racist so fast that he wouldn't even eat at the same table with the Gentile Christians. Yodia and Syntyche, who were gospel friends, sisters on mission got into such a heated, nasty, ridiculous public beef that Paul had to call them out by name in one of his letters. What is the lesson? It's that the gospel is not for good people who somehow manage to keep it all together their whole life. No. The gospel is for big-time sinners who need big-time grace. And thankfully, God gives this grace. Grace that convicts, grace that forgives, grace that restores. He gives it. 
In this episode, I asked my dad if he would walk through those darkest years of his life. I did not interrupt him. I didn't even stay in the room, actually. It was just him, alone, with God, bearing quiet and honest witness to the heart of the Trinity, toward prodigal sons like him, like all of us. were on their way out of high school into college and just so many things were happening so great and then suddenly the train started to go off the track one particular woman she was dealing with an alcoholic mother and a out of control husband she asked me if I could meet her at Mount Auburn Hospital to speak to her mom who was very sick and actually dying from alcohol she was a nurse at this time and I asked if I could watch the kids during her shift, she asked me. One night, she had with her husband a big fight, called the police, had a restraining order, and he left the house. At that time, Margaret had a full-time job in Boston, and I was doing small electric jobs, so I had lots of time to spend at her house. Not a good idea. I should not be here. No one was checking in on me. Kids had gone to college, missed them desperately. Mom was working full time. So one day mom called her and said to her, if Glenn comes over or he calls you, please tell him not to bother you. Tell him to leave you alone. He's sick. He's not in his right mind. Just don't even listen to him. Hang up. Mom knew everything wasn't not good. Grace came by many times, came over, and prayed for Mom. Then I told Margaret I needed time, a week off. I was so confused. I loved God so much, and then yet this woman was like taking domination in my life at the moment. And we drove to Vermont, to a friend's house. I stayed out in a motorhome and came back on Sunday. All of a sudden, her husband calls our house when I got home. He says, are you nuts? Tell your husbands to stay away from my wife. Margaret was so mad, rightfully so. I made a decision and I knew a guy, he had a small place in Everett to stay and figure out what you're going to do. You can imagine, a solid Christian my whole life, a wonderful wife. It just, it was terrible. So in those days, no cell phone in those days. So when I really cannot even remember how it all worked out. And then all of a sudden, I got sick. And I ended up, unbeknownst to me, in the Salem Hospital. Don't even know how I got there. I was so far out of God's will it wasn't even funny. Some of the people from the church found out and came to see me. Some of the pastors, some of the friends, but I didn't want to hear nothing from nobody about anything. I really don't know how long I was there or what they did for me. This is a sad part. Margaret came by and found out where I was. 
She tried to see me, but I would not talk to her. Can you believe that? A wife of so many years, I didn't want her to see me. I didn't want her to talk to me. I didn't even realize how much I was breaking her heart. Our relationship and marriage was almost gone. Finally, at this time, I stopped in Revere at a Dunkin' Donuts after a long time. It was months with this woman. So on the phone, I called her and said, this is it, goodbye, we don't need to see each other ever again. Now, to get back home, ask Margaret to forgive me. I can imagine the days and the nights that she said, "What? what's the matter with Glenn, what happened? Didn't we have a great marriage? Didn't he love me? We were good everywhere. We, it was just impossible for her to figure it out. I came home and I said, can you take me back? And she says, I can, but I'm gonna make a list <laughs> of things for you to do. You have to do it. So what happened was, for me, myself personally, I was shot, gone. I needed to ask God to forgive me for what I did, hurt people, even my cousins, my brother, people from far away try to get us back together, and I didn't want to hear nothing. So I needed forgiveness from God. And second, I needed forgiveness from Margaret. Total forgiveness. You think that's easy all of a sudden, not even paying attention to her, not even telling her what I was doing to get forgiveness from her. And then the third thing is, if you get into this situation, which I hope this whole podcast helps you understand of the salvation, the grace of God, you need to forgive yourself. That is a battle that goes on forever. How did I do this? Why did I do this? I read the Bible. I was filled with the Spirit. I knew God's call was upon my life. So I needed to forgive myself. That took a while. I said, yes, I'm coming home. But where I was, maybe a mile from our home, James was home from college. So I called him. I said, James, can you come and get me and bring me home? Can you imagine how embarrassing that was? Him and a friend came to where I was staying, picked up all my gear. He was so gracious. He didn't say, Dad, what'd you do? Why'd you do it? Why'd you hurt Mom? We just didn't even talk. We got in the car. We drove home. When I got home, I said, thank God I'm welcome home. God loves me. But Margaret had a whole list of things for me to do. To show of repentance, to show of care, to show of loving. And then as we worked on that, it wasn't easy. A lot of friction, a lot of disconnection between us. And there was a guy in church who said, look, I have a week at a cottage in Cape Cod. Why don't you two go down there and work it out? See if that something can help you. We did. First few days we were very quiet. And then we both started to break down and realize that my choices, my decisions, my actions were totally uncalled for. They were totally horrible. And that would she love me? And I was totally wrong. 
And that was, as I'm saying it now, that was 30 years ago. It wasn't like around the corner. Never ever did see this person again at all. It was totally out of my life. So love was restored. Faith was restored. With Matthew and James too. Matthew was very furious, big Matthew. And oh yeah, sometime eight years later, by the mercy of God, Matthew said, Dad, I forgive you. God chose me, it's the right thing to do. We hugged and we cried. God's mercy reigns forever and ever and ever. Those were hard times. I'm really speaking from my heart now. Um, there's so many other people maybe out there dealing with that, not even knowing how they ended up in the spot they're at. But I know that God loves us so much. Once he calls us, he never leaves us. He chases after us. Even though we say, God, go away, wife, go away, children, go away. He helps us. He heals us. He delivers us. Um, the hurt that I hurt her and so many other people, there was so much lying and cheating. and It was just a whole downward flow of where I was. But again, like I said, the forgiveness of God brought us together. And here we are 31 years later, going strong, married 53 years, and it's great. So I thank God for his healing power and his changing power. So there it is. Prodigal son, come home. And for the next 21 years, God would use my dad to love on dozens of other prodigals in a little church that his son would plant called Seven Mile Road. Thanks for listening to this episode of Yeah, That's My Dad. If you are enjoying and benefiting from these stories, remember that the only way folks are getting connected is through you. So subscribe to the podcast and spread the word. <laughs>